And uh, if you're involved in the ministry, we had a little uh, thank you party on, on Friday night. And uh, I tell you what, I went home and I heard the same thing so many times this morning uh, from different people, how fun it was because it just felt like, like family. It felt like this love kind of thing going on. And it was really fun uh, to be a part of something like that. And I, I firmly believe that God has some amazing things for us because if we can work out of love, we're doing it right. Amen? And because uh, a lot of other organizations and churches and different things, you know, I just want to make sure we're working out of love. Amen? And so just turn to that person again next to you and smile and say, I'm feeling the love. <laughs> Without rolling your eyes, Sandy Shaver. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's been a really fun, it's been a really fun journey for the past few weeks as God has been uh, walking me, myself and also us as a church through this series that we've been talking about, Getting Unstuck. Getting Unstuck. And uh, <laughs> I, the snow came yesterday, right? And the first thought of my mind was, oh man, I do not want to get stuck this year in any kind of snow situation, right? And uh, Jody is from the South, and of course, if you heard about the South, even Texas, there's all these places got snow. And... Uh, uh, we might be going down to Tennessee for Christmas for a few days. I just think it's funny. When I, drive, when I go down there and there's any snow, <laughs> people have no idea how to drive. And if four flakes hit the ground, ah, oh, it's chaos, you know the whole thing. But, you know, how many of you have ever been stuck in a snowstorm before? Right? And most of us. And it's really frustrating when that's the case, right? Because everything that used to work on your car... You know, the gas pedal and backing forward and going forward and backing up. They all are the same, but they just don't work anymore, right? And I thought, you know, sometimes in life we get that way in many areas of our lives. Things that used to work, things that used to bring us joy or pleasure or, you know, purpose in life, they just, they're not, they're not doing that anymore. So one of the things I really feel God has been laying on my heart is this idea that, uh, of freedom. Freedom. Right? Like God doesn't want us stuck and bound up or trapped in any way. He wants us to function in freedom. Amen. How many you just raise your hand and say, freedom's for me, man. I'm, I'm all for freedom, right? And so, uh, you know, we've talked about several different things, but here's what I want to do. I want you to just lay your hand on your heart, put your other hand, or put your coffee down, and put your other hand on your, on your mind. And let's just pray together. Lord, this morning, we... We want to be fully everything you've called us to be. Father, we don't want to get stuck. We don't want to be like those, that frustration of being in a snowstorm or unable to move. And Lord, we understand that our, we still have minds, we still have hearts, we still have bodies, we still have jobs in different situations. But for whatever reason, God, they don't seem to be working like they used to. And so, Father, this morning I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would begin to set our minds free and set our hearts free. Father, if there are lies that we have been believing or partnering with, we just, we just break that off right now and we crush that in the name of Jesus. Father, if there are situations of life that seem to be overwhelming, we just say to you, Lord, you are the Lord of all. And Father, that you're going to begin to move. And as we move towards you, you're going to move towards us. And that stuck feeling that we have in some of these areas is going to be loosed. And we're going to have freedom and we're going to be able to move forward into our destiny, God. And so if that's your prayer, just say amen with me this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that uh, this morning. There's several things more that I feel God has laid on my heart for us in this area. Just by way of review, though, we talked about how being stuck is so dangerous, isn't it? Now you think to that car stuck in the snow scenario, right? Well, you know, it can be dangerous. If it's freezing cold outside and you're stuck in a ditch... You know, eventually the gas runs out, it gets freezing. You know, how many of children that insist on leaving the house without a winter coat on? Anybody have this? Doesn't it frustrate you to no end? Because in the back of my head, I'm, I'm almost thinking, I hope we end up in the ditch. <laughs> like, like that'll, that'll show you, you know. <laughs> they just, like, okay, they're not here, they're upstairs. But Sydney, Sydney wants to wear a jean jacket 
Like, she's got to be cute, right? Well, Dad, the big coat. <laughs> Yesterday, my daughter, Sal, uh, Susie, my 11-year-old, she just wore like a glorified scarf. That's all she had on was a, just like a big scarf. Oh, you guys are killing me, right? <laughs> and so, you know, if you don't have, you know, the proper stuff and all that, like, if you get stuck, it can be actually quite dangerous, right? You don't have this... And I just feel like in so many parts of our lives, it actually is dangerous. Not only for us, but how do you know that it can be dangerous for those around us? I mean, in so many ways, our children need to see us getting unstuck. Our friends at work, at school, and those places, they have, they're stuck, and they want to see freedom that comes from us, right? So if we don't get unstuck, what do we say? It's hard to give what you don't have. In fact, it's almost... It's impossible to give what you don't have. And if we start talking about the freedom in Christ, but we don't exhibit it, it actually becomes very hypocritical and a lie, and people are less likely to believe the words that come out of our mouth. Right? What did Jesus do? He, he did the miracles, and he spoke the truth. <laughs> Man, let's do that, right? And so getting stuck, even though it's a part of life, remaining stuck is actually a choice, isn't it? Right? So we talked about how that's so dangerous. Then we also talked about how change is required. You know, if you're going to get unstuck, I mean, you're in a snowbank, you need a tow truck, right? If you're stuck in some of these other areas, you got to actually change some things. If you keep doing the same things, you get the same results. What do they say? Uh, that that uh, insanity is to keep doing the same thing but expect different results, right? We have to change how we do some things. I just want to encourage you, be bold today. Be courageous. Because change takes courage, doesn't it? To step out of where we were, what we're doing, into some new thing, that, that takes bravery. And so I just speak courage over you today. I speak boldness over you this morning. That as you confront these areas of your lives, you won't function in fear. Because what do we just say? Perfect love casts out fear. So I just want to encourage you that the change is required. Step into his love today and let him do that for you. Then the third thing we talked about was how bad do I want to get unstuck? <laughs> Some people will talk ad nauseum about getting unstuck. But they don't do anything, so they don't really want to get out of it. And if you're not careful, sometimes being stuck for a while gets comfortable. And it seems like that's normal. I think I've told you this, but I was at a church uh, many years ago, and I was an associate pastor. And we used to have this guy, his name was Hank. And Hank would come in church. And it, like, have you ever had somebody walk in the room and it almost gets physically colder? You know what I'm saying? Like, Frank was the coldest, meanest, grumpiest Christian I'd ever met in my life. And it was like, oh, there's Hank. Woo! And everybody was just kind of do this deal. Like, nobody wanted to be around Hank. And I was thinking, Hank is so stuck. And how dangerous is it? But here's the thing. Hank didn't want to get unstuck. Hank was comfortable being the grumpy Christian his whole life. And I, I always think about him. I always think, man... Lord, don't let me ever get so blinded to my current condition that I'm living less than what you intend for me. Because I'm telling you, it's easy to do, and God has, everybody say it with me, more. God has more for me. He doesn't want you stuck. He doesn't want you a grumpy Christian. He doesn't want you powerless. He doesn't want you non-prophetic in any way. Man, he wants you moving into the supernatural. He wants you healing people. He wants you touching lives. He wants you throwing love around like it's like rice at a wedding, you know, just <laughs> throwing stuff, just throwing love around, right? That's how he wants us to be. And we have to actually want it. How bad do I want to get unstuck? And I just want to encourage you, don't live perspective perpetually stuck. Amen? Amen? And this is the time you don't look to the person on your right and on your left. You just, <laughs> this is just for me, right? Just for myself. And then finally last week we looked at choosing hope. This idea that, that if we're going to change, we really have to embrace hope, don't we? Like the thought that it can get better and it, say it with me, will get better. We have to speak life into the situations that, that, are, that we're in. Man, I'm telling you, the Bible is filled with this so many times. In fact, in Romans, it talks about speaking things that are not 
as though they were. Well, isn't that interesting? Because you're living in the not, but it actually says in the Word to speak those things that are not as though they were. So it requires that we choose hope over hopelessness. Right? And aren't we bombarded with hopelessness in our world? Man, I'm telling you, I like to watch the news. I like to be informed. But there are times I just go, oh, my word. <laughs> and I hit the, hit the off button. I just can't take it anymore because, you know, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or whatever, I mean, there's so much hopelessness in the world. John and I were just talking a little bit about this. How many of you know that it's time that we started being the hope people, right? That we started walking in hope. And, and again, I'm not asking you to be silly or, 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 or frivolous with it in terms of like, 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 you know, not acknowledging life in any way. Hey, you got a tough situation? Great. But instead of living in hopelessness, we want to say, God, I want to walk out of hopelessness and into hopefulness. Amen? The fullness of hope. And I want to encourage you with that because in Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, and these three remains, faith, hope, and love. <laughs> I don't know if you thought about it lately, but that's a pretty powerful trifecta right there. Faith in what God says, hope that it's going to get better, and the whole thing just smothered with love. Amen? And I believe that God has that for us as we're getting unstuck. Amen. So this morning I want to step into a new thing, and that's this. That if we're going to get unstuck, we have to live connected. Live connected. I told you about our Christmas party on Friday night. And, uh, man, I took pictures and you know, did a little video thing. And some of you may have seen the Facebook stuff. And, I, you know, one of the things that struck me was we had from really young to really old. Well, not really old, somewhat old. Okay. <laughs> Right? And then, you know, people in between. And I thought, that's pretty cool that we get to walk in community and in love. That it literally almost was a tangible thing that we felt together. And I had text written to me, an email, Facebook stuff, and it was all basically the same thing. Man, that was fun tonight. Man, that was fun to just be with people that we love each other, right? And it's so important because... We were never intended to live alone. Never intended to live alone. And yet, when we start to get stuck, what is the number one thing the enemy always tries to do? Isolate you and pull you back. Oh, that, those people this, or get offended, or break a friendship, or strain this thing. Recently, I had a, a relationship in my life that was strained over something that happened. And how, you know how it goes. One party thinks they're right, and the other party thinks they're right. And of course, we're the party that's right, you know. <laughs> we're right, they're wrong, whatever. And I, but God really quickened me, and I, I went to this person, and I just, I just hugged him and said, listen, I, I just don't like living disconnected with you. And I said, you know what? You, you look at things a certain way, and I do too. And I'm asking Holy Spirit to show me if there's anything that I'm messing up, and I'm going to correct it if I can. But here's the thing. Let's just walk in love. Let's make sure that we stay connected. If you haven't read uh, any of the books by Danny Silk, write this down if you haven't done this. Danny Silk, he's out of Bethel, uh, Reading uh, Church. Danny Silk, and he's got an organization uh, that's called Keep Your Love On, K-Y-L-O, Keep Your Love On. Oh, he's so good in this area, you guys, and it will help you immensely. Marriage relationships, friends relationships, and this idea that your love switch never gets to get turned off. He says, you turn your love switch on, and then you tape it. <laughs> like, you force it to stay on all the time. Because we are called to be connected. That doesn't mean we all, like if I was to ask, we might have, uh, again, to the politics, we might have Trump lovers and Trump haters all in the same room. But how many of you know Trump is not the author of our faith <laughs> or, the, or Satan incarnate or whatever you think he is, right? Like Jesus is the thing that brings us together, man. And here's the thing. Last night I was at my parents' house. We were, we'd gone to the Nutcracker ballet thing, and then we went back to their house for soup. And we're at the house, and my nephew 
uh, he tends to lean to the left, to the left. And I tend to lean to the right, to the right, you know. And, uh, and so we got to talking, and I really felt the Holy Spirit quicken me right in the middle of it because he's a teacher, and so, you know, he has a certain mind, what do you call it, a philosophy and all this kind of stuff. And I really felt like God said, listen, do not talk about politics with your nephew. Let's just talk about the things that can bring us together. And I'm not saying we don't have different opinions because we can, but stay connected. If you are a Trump lover and your family isn't, don't bring it up at Thanksgiving or Christmas, okay? I'm just telling you, just leave it off to the side, right? (laughs) And whichever side of different things we're on, just pray for that person, right? And I'm not saying you got to pray for them to come to the light of politically or whatever. I don't care. But how many of you know that we can all be more connected and that it actually brings health? I remember last night walking out of that conversation with my nephew thinking, I love that boy. I love him a lot. He's doing great things in his school. He realizes he's heart for kids and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? Who cares if we don't agree philosophically on some things? You know what? I felt so good about my relationship with my nephew when I left. Why? Because I'd made a decision to stay connected with him. And I want to just encourage you, put aside those things that so easily entangle, the Bible says. And I think, like, sometimes we always think of that verse as sin. Like, put aside lust and fear and whatever else, all these things, right? But I don't know that sometimes putting aside those things that so easily entangle us isn't decisions we make about conversations we have. And the purpose in our heart to stay connected. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Amazing verse. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Says this. Two are better than one. Say that with me. Two are better than one, right? Because they have a good return for their labor. You know what it says? If two are working together instead of just one, you get way more accomplished, right? (laughs) Verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, and this is me, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands, them, me, and God, is not easily broken. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt under attack for some reason? Right? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's in a relationship or something, and you feel under attack. And I've had this experience many times where there's been people that disagree with me or people are just, let's be honest, there's some really mean people in the world, right? They're just mean. And you look at them and go, why are you being so mean? (laughs) They're looking at you because that's what I do. (laughs) And I say, you're stuck. You need to get unstuck, right? But people will come and they'll attack you. And then here's the thing. I've had people come up to me. In the ministry, I'll just say, as being a, a pastor and a leader, you know, there are times people don't agree with everything you do. And some people are not afraid to tell you about that, those disagreements. And then they can possibly attack you and your character and your, and your motivation and your heart. You know, I've had, <laughs> had some really scary letters written to me. And again, I'm not saying that to feel bad because that's just kind of life. But here's what's happened invariably over the years. I've had people come up beside me and they just put their arm around me and they say, Pastor, I am 100% with you on this journey. And I am going to be here for you no matter what. You know what? <laughs> I can do a lot if I have someone with their arm around me saying, hey, you know what? We can do this. And how good is that feeling when somebody comes up beside you and says, listen, you're not alone. You're actually, we're actually in this together. And they support you. It's almost like the one person that's walking alone, when the person comes up next to them, the person that's really struggling, oh, kind of almost collapses into the arms of the other person, Right? And so how vital is it that we do that? We were never intended to live alone. In fact, God himself set the example for us, didn't he? He could have just been God. But no, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in community and connection together working towards the common goal of being God of the universe. 
I mean, what an example for us. Even in the Trinity, we see Father, Son. Are they all different? Absolutely. Are they connected? And are they powerful? Absolutely. So you, you look at God himself in that way. And then you look at the Bible. Even from the very beginning. You remember the story of Adam? Gets created. And it's, whoop, he's in the garden. And God's there. And they're walking around and having a you know, good old time. And then at one point, Adam kind of gets sad. Why? Because he needed Eve. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. Here, take this beautiful, curvy, amazing thing, and you get her, and she gets you, and it's going to be awesome. Now go fill up the earth, you know, that whole thing. Right? Adam and Eve. And Adam wasn't complete until he had Eve. And I'm not speaking to single or married. I'm not talking about that. I'm simply talking about two people are way more powerful than just one. And you see how many times in the Bible you have Moses and Aaron, right? Joshua and Caleb, right? Jesus gets to the, we get to the New Testament with Jesus. Is Jesus just walking around all by himself? No. Out of this whole group, he picks 12 that are going to be his, his posse, his crew, right? His, 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 his boys, as they say. But even out of that, you know what? He had three that were the inner circle. Right, Peter, James, and John. And then even out of that, there was one of them that he kind of pulled more into a more intimate relationship, and that was John, the beloved, right? And so it's so cool, isn't it, that even Jesus had a wider circle of friends that were his tight, you know, group, and then he had the smaller group of three and then one. What does that tell us? Stay connected. <laughs> Again, if Jesus needed to be connected then how much more do you and I need to be connected, amen? And again, he's our example for all things. But even moving on, you know, in the New Testament, you have the mission, Paul, the, the apostle, the great apostle. Was it ever just Paul? No. Look at the book of Acts. It's always Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, right? Even Paul and Timothy at one point. Why? Because two are better than one, man. And if one falls, the other one can pick them up. And I want to encourage you today, if you are not connected and you're stuck, you need to find someone to get connected with. And again, how bad do you want to get unstuck? <laughs> if you're stuck, then you've got to do some things, amen? And I want to encourage you, there's power and protection in community, in relationships. There's a, there's a man that I've gotten to be friends with here just in the last couple of months. He's not from our church. He's actually from another church. But we met him through, actually, Sam's Bible Club at his school. He's parents with one of their kids. And he's from another church. But he feels like God is calling him to the ministry. And it's actually funny because his wife is a, our pharmacist, where we, where our pharmacy that we go to. And so there's this little connection that God has put together. And this man has felt like God is calling him to the ministry, but he doesn't really know how that works and what, you know, how it should happen. And he's got some people helping him a little bit, but he feels kind of alone. I felt like God said, take him out for coffee. Take him out for lunch. So we went to Panera the other day. We just sat down. And I just, I kind of barnabas him, right? So Paul, and, you know what Barnabas means? The word Barnabas, that, that guy, the character of the New Testament, it actually means son of encouragement. Oh. That just feels good, right? So when Paul is being questioned whether he, you know, is a real apostle and it, does he really, is he a spy for the Jews and all this kind of stuff, do you know that the whole Jerusalem church didn't know what to do with Paul at the beginning because he was like, is he, is he Saul? Is he Paul? Is he going to kill us? Is he going to put us in jail? What are we going to do? And Barnabas in the spirit goes, nope. He's one of us. And he just puts his arm around Paul. And so from there for the whole several chapters, it's, it was, listen, this is really interesting. Read Book of Acts. It'll say Barnabas and Paul for a bunch of times, and then it switches. It's Paul and Barnabas. And then Barnabas goes off to be a son of encouragement to somebody else, and Paul takes on Silas and, 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 uh, and then Timothy and all these other ones, right? And all of a sudden you find this son of encouragement going around. Two is better than one, man. Let's get connected. And so for some of you this morning, I would encourage you, to just be a Barnabas to somebody. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not that stuck, or maybe you're stuck in a way and whatever. But God is, is uh, actually stirring your heart right now to say, hey, I want you to go and come alongside somebody and put your arm around them 
and say, listen, I'm here, and I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving, and we're going to walk this thing together. And I, I told this, this young man the other day, I said, listen, I, whatever you need me to be, I will be there for you. I will. I will walk with you. And so I went to the pharmacy the other day, and his wife was there, and I, and I said, hey, how's it? And she's like, oh, man, it was so great. My husband just loved that whole thing. And she was just going on and on. And I thought, isn't that interesting? All some people need is for someone to come alongside them and say, hey, you know what? We're in this together. Let's do, let's do this in community. Let's do this connected. Amen? In 1 Peter 5.8, it says this. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the picture, of course, is, you know, predatory animals tend to prey. <laughs> okay, so the Bible actually says we're supposed to be sheep. Like we're actually pictured as sheep in the New Testament, right? And the devil's pictured as a lion, right? And, you know, on the, in the natural, that's not a very even fight, right? Of course, we're supernatural, so it makes a difference. We're tough sheep, everybody. Ooh. <laughs> but... The, en the enemy is like a lion trying to devour us, right? So you got, got that video ready? I want to show you this video. I came across this, this little video on Facebook the other day. I thought how perfect it symbolizes what we're doing. This little elephant baby gets stuck in a water trough. actually a little more info to that story, and that is that the other elephants came and helped and did all this around it, but that it got really frustrating, and the baby elephant almost was dying and drowning in this water trough, but there was one elephant that wasn't even the mother of the baby. It was another elephant that would not give up, and even some of the other elephants gone and came back and forth. The one elephant stayed right with that baby and said, listen, I'm not leaving you stuck in a trough, man. I'm not leaving you stuck. And isn't it interesting? The lions were just on the outside waiting for what? For the elephants to give up and walk away. And then what was going to happen to that little baby? Done. So you look at these verses and you say that the enemy is, is roving around looking to see who he can destroy. Who's he going to destroy? The ones who are alone. The ones that are hurt and wounded all by themselves. And they don't have anybody to stick with them in the stuck parts of life, right? Oh, this, this just speaks to your heart, doesn't it? Because you want to know why it speaks to your heart? Because that's God's heart. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now saying, listen, there are people in our lives that need us to stand with them in the stuck water troughs of life and not give up and not walk away and get distracted on other things or think somebody else is going to do it. I want to encourage you today that there are some of you and Holy Spirit, even now, that he would quicken our minds to say, who can I walk beside? Who can I go to and say, listen, I, I don't know exactly all you're going through, but I'm not going to let you walk this thing alone. I'm actually going to help you get unstuck. And others of you, you're, you may be more of a stuck place, and maybe you're the one that needs to be, uh, maybe you're the one in the water trough. Maybe you're the one that's really stuck. Can I encourage you to not push people away? 
Man, we looked at 1 Kings 19 a couple weeks ago and the idea of Elijah and how he got stuck coming off even after a great victory on Mount Carmel over the forces of the enemy and, and Jezebel and Ahab and all that. 1 Kings 19, 3 to 5. After Queen Jezebel, after the great victory, Jezebel threatens him. And it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And the interesting thing about this is, Elijah, in his victory, had always had his servant with him. Some of you remember the story about how on, after Mount Carmel, you know, they hadn't had rain for, what, three and a half years, I think it was. And he's sitting there kind of praying, and he sends his servant to go and check out the cloud. Is there any clouds? Is there any clouds? Is there any rain? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, a little tiny cloud on the horizon come, and Elijah says, listen, we're going to have a mighty downpour. Let's get to it, right? But who is the one that's helping him with that? His servant is with him, right? But the first time he starts to get stuck and he starts to be depressed, he pushes away the very one that has walked with him on the journey. I want to encourage you today, if you're stuck, if you're feeling closer to depression than you do joy and, and satisfaction in life, do not push people away. Allow, <laughs> if you will, other elephants to come into your life. Amen? <laughs> Allow people to come in. Two is better than one. I feel like God is telling me that this is the kind of church God is calling us to be. I feel the words in my mind that we are both stuck and unstuck. Right? You know what I'm saying? And that's just probably normal. In a, ver in a room, in podcast, online, there are those that are going to feel stuck and those that are not quite as stuck, but that God is calling you to be a person to help other people. So just for, before we move any farther, just close your eyes if you would and put your hand on your heart. And just ask Holy Spirit right now to say, Lord, if, if, you're, if, I'm, if you're feeling stuck, say, Lord, who is it that you would want me to come alongside? Who can help me, Lord? I don't want to push people away. I want to actually get connected with people. And I just pray right now that God would give you some ideas on people, some that can help you get out of that water trough of life and get moving on to what he has in store for you. And for others of you this morning with a hand on your heart, God may be speaking, listen, even in your somewhat stuckness yourself, I want you to step into, into helping someone else today. I want you to move along someone else. Two is better than one. I want you to help them when they fall down. I want you to help them when they're cold. I want you to help warm them up. I want to use you to be my hand extended to those around you. And if that's your prayer and you just want to agree, say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Huh. Hallelujah. I want to just quickly go into this last part, and we'll probably carry this over into another, another time, but... I want to encourage you this morning, not only are we to be connected with each other, and that will help us get unstuck, but I also want to encourage you this morning in this one, to sow where you want to grow. <laughs> That's good, right? Go ahead, write it down. It's not mine, it's the Holy Spirit's, but you know, <laughs> I'm just passing it along. Sow where you want to grow, Right? And you know, the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. You know, Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this is what he will reap. <laughs> I look out here, there's no dumb people in this audience right now. There's no, there's no dummies here. Like, you understand if you put seeds in the ground and you get some water and some sunshine, what happens? You have a harvest. Things grow, right? I mean, it's, it's so not rocket science. Sometimes people complicate Christianity so much. And they bring in all this theology and all this. Kind of, you know what? Put seeds in the ground. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just put them in the ground. In faith, plant some things that are then going to grow. The Bible promises that if you will do some seed planting, 
you are going to reap, right? And it's, it's so simple. You're not going to pull those same seeds out of the ground. They're going to turn into something else supernatural. So one little tiny seed can have a hundredfold harvest, right? And I want to just encourage you with this. How much harvest do you want? Right? In this area of being stuck, I cannot encourage you more. Do not, what's the old phrase, sit in the garden and suck worms or whatever, right? Like, don't just sit there in your, in your self-pity or your, your woe is me and everybody's got a better life than me and this other area. Like, you know, the Bible is very clear on so many things. Money is one of them. If you're struggling with money, stop keeping it. Start giving it away. I, I cannot say it any more clearly. The Bible is so clear on this. If you're struggling financially, our first, you know, tendency is to do what? Oh, trim this and hold on to this and, you know, and we can become <laughs> pauper in our mentality. When in reality, what are we? We're sons and daughter of the king with an everlasting surplus. You know, some people think that, you know, we, well, the devil would have us think that there's only so much provision to go around. And if somebody else gets it, that means we're not going to get it. I, I'm telling you, hit yourself in the brain if you have to and, and, and get dislodged some thinking, some lies, some ways of processing. I would just encourage you, you will reap what you sow. And it's interesting, the, the verse there says, do not be deceived. Do you think the devil wants to deceive you? In fact, it says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to wipe you out. He wants to keep you like that little elephant stuck in a trough your whole life. Oh, man. So what am I sowing into? And what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, we'll get to the giving money thing in just a second. But, you know, if I sow my seeds into loneliness and separation, guess what I'm going to reap? That and more. Have you ever been in a kind of depressed state? We talked about this a little bit last week. You know, when you're kind of feeling down and all that stuff, and what do we say? We eat a bunch of pizza and you know, ice cream and just kind of, uh, at the end of it, you just feel bloated, but you're exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? Oh, great. Now I'm depressed and I gained 10 pounds. Like, what, what good does this do me, right? You see, I want to just encourage you, like, you're sowing into loneliness. You're sowing into depression, your seeds. When in reality, God would say to you, listen, pick up the phone or send a text to someone and say, hey, let's go get coffee. Like, I don't like coffee, but I like chai tea. I like, you know, hot chocolate. And here's the thing. I know this, that 99 times out of 100, if I'll pull myself up and go have coffee with someone or tea with someone, I can't even say I've ever not had this experience, but I always feel better after I'm done. And have you ever had that experience where you hit yourself in the head and go, why didn't I do this sooner? Right? Why didn't, I, why didn't I do this sooner? And I would just encourage you, don't sow into loneliness and depression. Sow into connection. Sow into friendship. And, and even so, if you're that, okay, we'll go back to the elephant. If you're the elephant helping another elephant out of the trough, how many of you know that feels really good to help somebody out in trouble? How many of you know it's really fun to pick up the check for both people, right? Can I just tell you the most fun, if you feel like you're struggling, and go to the grocery store and get in line with a couple things and turn to the person behind you and say, listen, I'm going to buy all your groceries today and just see what happens. Try to be depressed doing that. It will be impossible. It literally is impossible. When we start to give, we're sowing seeds of generosity, all of a sudden, these amazing things begin to happen, right? <laughs> In honesty, how many of you, it's easier to give than receive? Well, let's get, let's get to it, right? Quit holding back. There's, there's enough provision. God's going to take care of you. Start blessing people. Start doing this. We have an opportunity in, in our church right now this Christmas season. We have a couple of families that are connected with us that uh, in my conversations with them, they are not going to have Christmas for their kids. And I was talking to this person, and I'm thinking, well, that's not acceptable. 
So the first thing we did as a church was we gave them a gift card for 200 bucks for groceries at Walmart. So let's just get hunger off the table, right? Then I said, hey, I got a family. And this family likes to bless people. This family of Epicenter Church, we are givers, man. We like to, we, it's better to give than receive, right? And so I said, listen, I want you and this other family to give me a list of all the things that your kids would like for Christmas. Give me a, give me a wish list. And so this, uh, they sent me the email back, and it was kind of generic, you know. I said, oh, no. You tell me exactly what you and your, this other family and their kids and your kids want. And it was so cool. How many of you, like, they want board games. You know, there was a couple of iPods and whatever in there. That's, that's normal for our society. But there was things like board games and, and a comforter for the bed, <laughs> clothes for the teenagers. And I'm just thinking, we can do this. <laughs> this is going to be so fun, right? And so I just want to encourage you, like, if you're struggling financially, why don't you just bless another family? You know what I'm saying? I got one person that, that emailed me back, and they're like, send me the whole list. I'm like, okay, but you don't get to buy all the presents. You got to let other people buy some too, right? And so there's this whole idea of wanting to give more. And we know that if we will plant seeds of generosity, according to Scripture, we're going to receive a bountiful harvest. And it may be in finances, it may be in jobs, it may be in something. I don't know. I just know God is good for his word. Anybody say amen? amen? And if he says, I won't be deceived, if I plant what I sow, I'm going to reap, well, let's do that, right? Interesting, isn't it? Whatever God gives us comes with responsibility, doesn't it? A <laughs> big sigh from patience over here. Yes. <laughs> Why? Because well, he knows. Okay, man, I preach a lot on this one, but let me just throw this out. If I will handle well what he gives me with generosity and with love and kindness, I position myself for him to give me more. Why? Because he knows he can trust me with his heart. It's really good. Because here's the thing, he wants to have his kingdom on earth, right? So we talk about the supernatural and prophecy and prayer and all that, and that's awesome, and I want to just increase. But I also think, how do we handle my finances? You know, am I tithing? Again, that's this big topic for a lot of people. It's the base, you know, that's just the foundation, 10%. Just get it off the table, get it off your mind. Why? Because God says he's going to bless you, and it's going to be awesome. So just take that as a base. But beyond that. You know, I just think of McDonald's. I don't know. If somebody's going to McDonald's today or this week, you're supposed to buy lunch for the person behind you. <laughs> it is so fun. I'm telling you, it is the funnest thing to buy food for people or pay their bills. You know, some of you, I'm just having a quick thought right now. Some of you, God's going to quicken you with another person to pay one of their bills, like a, a ComEd or some kind of bill like that. So just allow Holy Spirit to tell you some things. And if you do it, the kingdom is going to be expanded. And it's going to be good because it's not just our heart, it's his heart. And so I was thinking about the Israelites just a couple weeks ago. I was thinking about the Israelites. Do you remember the story when they're in the wilderness, they've come out of Egypt, and God says, listen, you're my kids, I'm going to take care of you. And so he says, listen, you're in the middle of the desert, you're wandering around, I'm going to give you bread, I'm going to give you manna every day of your lives for, it turns out to be 40 years by the end of this. But do you know what that manna was? For most scholars, they say it was like a coriander seed. That's not a word we use too much right now. But it was like a little seed. <laughs> you might see where I'm going with this. It was like a seed that was all over the ground. And the people, and the Bible actually describes it as like coriander seed. You can look this up if you want. And so God gave them their provision in the form of a seed. And I thought, what great foundation for all this teaching later on in the New Testament, right? But here's the thing. Have you ever eaten seeds before? Like some people like to eat granola stuff, and there's some of them that's like seeds. I'm like, what am I, the roadrunner? I don't like to eat seeds. I just, I want to, like, I like bread. I will say that. I like bread. And I like all that kind of stuff. But here's what they did. They would take the, the coriander seed, and they had to do something with it to make it into loaves and whatever else that they would eat. And I thought, man, how powerful is that? 
God gives us what we need, but we actually have to do something with it. We've got to take that seed and crush it or mold it or whatever, make it into cakes and bread or whatever. There's a certain responsibility that comes even in God's provision. See, it's a powerful thought. Some of us want to just sit back and go, God, just do everything. And God's like, no, that's not how this operates. I'm going to give you what you need, and I want you to turn around and do something with it. So we jump to the New Testament, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed <laughs> to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, folks, I couldn't, I couldn't be, I could be the best preacher in the world. I couldn't come up with better than that right there. Right? What does he say? Listen, he gives us seed. Are we eating the seed? No. It's seed for the sowing. Sowers do what? They take the seed. They would walk the fields. They would take the seed out of the, the pouch, and, you know, that they were carrying. And what would they do? You've seen the pictures. They throw the seed everywhere they go, right? And, see? So, seed for the sower. And then it says what? Bread for, for eating. He gives us both. Whatever he gives you, financially and whatever areas, it's not all for eating. A big portion of it is for sowing. And then it's interesting. He says, listen, I'm going to give you sow seed for sowing and bread for eating. And then he says this, and God will supply it and increase your store of what? Seed. You see, he doesn't say I'm going to increase your store and give you more bread to eat. He says, listen, you're going to have enough to eat. It's going to be provision. But I'm gonna, if you'll do what I say, I'm actually going to give you more seed to do what? To throw it out more. And then he says, you know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I think it's time we stop thinking little. I think it's time we stop thinking like, oh, there's not going to be enough. There is enough. <laughs> there's going to be enough, right? If I will just get it out of my pockets and start doing something with it, right? Throw it out there and just see if God's word is true. How many of you have tithed and you, God has come through? And you're way better off than you were before you didn't tithe. I mean, I can't convince you to do it. I can't make you do it. But I'm going to tell you, you start talking to people even in this congregation and you will find that God is faithful and his word is true. If you sow, you're going to reap, man. And, then, and I love this because he says your, your, your seed is going to get sown and your bread is going to be for food and he's going to increase you in a way that allows you to give more. And if it's true, it's, it's more blessed to give than receive, aren't we positioning ourselves for an awesome breakthrough? So I want to encourage you this morning that God, if you're stuck financially this morning, I want to encourage you to, to, to shift your thinking. It's not all bread for eating. God literally has put in your provision seed for sowing. Amen? So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't get stuck in his way of thinking, the devil's way of thinking. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Start getting in God's way of thinking. He says, hey, so, so, so. I'm going to eat some bread because God gives me this job and this money and all that. But I'm also going to do that so that I can sow some more. Amen? Sow some more. So I'm going to ask the, I'm actually going to get practical. Ushers, if you could come and help me. We're going to take our regular tithes and offerings now. I know you guys have given bountifully to the, to the leadership here. Uh, earlier, but this one is, is our regular tithes and offering. And I want to just encourage you in a couple ways. This is our regular tithes and offerings, so just give, you know, obviously the 10% is, is the base, and then whatever God would tell you on top of that to, to bless what it is we're doing here. And then I want to encourage you one step beyond that. In regards to this family that we want to bless for Christmas, you know, that's on top of our normal giving. So I want to encourage you, don't, don't uh, what do they say, rob them Peter to pay Paul. Like, this is actually an opportunity. In fact, can you say that word with me? Opportunity. Opportunity. God is giving us an opportunity right now to sow so we can reap. Amen? And so, Lord, this morning we love you and thank you, God, that you have given us principles from your word that are so true. 
And God, we're not silly enough or even smart enough to think that we can talk people into money for the church or some selfish reason. Father, we simply want to be your hand extended to our world. And if your word says that we reap what we sow, then we want to be sowers. And if your word says, God, that, that when you're going to provide seed for sowing and bread for eating, we're going to trust you with that too. So Lord, to your kingdom, we say, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name. And all God's sowers said, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, feel free to give. And then we just want to close this. We're going to have an open-ended worship. I mean, an open-ended service this morning. And uh, I know some of you are in a hurry to get to different places and Christmas and stuff. I understand that. But I also want to give opportunity today, if you are in a place of wanting some prayer to help get unstuck, one of the things we realize is that you don't get unstuck sometimes immediately. It takes a little process to it. And so if you would like some additional prayer, we just want to partner with you in helping you get unstuck. And you can be as, as open or generic as you want to be with us. We're just going to pray and prophesy over any people that want some, some help <laughs> with the family praying for you. And uh, I just want to encourage you. That. So those of you that are, are, I've talked to about praying, why don't you come on up. If you need to go, God bless you. If you want to come for prayer, why don't you start with a line over here. And we're just going to take you one at a time uh, through a little uh, a, a tunnel, an oil tunnel to help you get unstuck this morning. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you at one of the prayer meetings or Bible studies this week. God bless you.